you didn't play professionally, you don't have this crazy career, you need to work. You need to show up every day prepared. You need to do extra work. When Enrique or Steve or Bob Bradley, whoever it is, or any ex-pro that's in the building, when they're working one hour, you need to work too. Everything that someone else does, you need to do twice as good. No one can question how hard you work because you don't have that, that little safety net that says, oh, but I played professionally. There's no else other way to get around that. That was our guest for today, LAFC2 assistant coach, Steven Campos. And my name is Omar Zini. Welcome to the Life Through Sport podcast. As you heard in the intro, Steven is someone that was aware of the realities that came with working for an MLS club like LAFC. A reality where his role within the club would be a desirable one for any ex-player. Now, instead of adhering to this narrative and accepting his fate, he decided to do what he's always done. Put his head down, go to work, and find a way to become an asset to the club. There's no better example of this than when he got his start with the Las Vegas Lights organization of the USL Championship, turning a marketing and partnerships role where he captured video for the team into a video analyst position where he would impress the coaches enough to later be offered an assistant coach position on the staff. Steven's journey is full of stories just like these, where he plants seeds, goes to work, and ends up getting a tenfold return on his investment. His story is an inspiring one for young coaches struggling to find their footing in the coaching world. There's so many gems in this one, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Once again, you're listening to the Life Through Sport podcast. My name is Omar Zini. Enjoy the show. Steven Campos, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Now we're, you and I, uh, getting into our, what, third season together? Yeah, it's been three, it's been two long years, and this one's hopefully not as long as the last two. <laughs> it's starting off in a, in a good foot, though, but uh, you're an LAFC employee before you were with Las Vegas, so... How has that transition been now? I know you and your wife are, are settled down here in California now. Yeah, look, we're just happy to to be in L.A. We have a lot of friends and family, obviously, in the area. So it's good to come back home a little bit, but some good memories that we made in, in Vegas the last few years. So we're excited for this new chapter, but yeah, just looking forward to, to what's coming next. Take me through, give me some context on who Steven Campos is and take me through maybe your environment growing up and how you became who you are. Well, obviously, I come from, from you know this area, so very LA, if you will, you know, um, Hispanic background, Mexican. So always involved in soccer, grew up watching uh, Mexican league, MLS, all the European leagues and all that stuff. Um, and I always had this passion for, for soccer more than anything else that that was just always my sport growing up. And yeah, that just kind of never ended until I guess today we'll see what tomorrow looks like. But as of now, it's been the one thing that kind of keeps me going in life is this sport. So my dad passed it down to me. He played a lot growing up. So it was just um, it was just easy way for us to connect at the beginning. And then from there on, I kind of took it upon myself to to continue that 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 soccer journey for my life. For you as as a young coach, did the I guess identity as a player affect how you are as a coach or did it transition with you? I think as a player, I let my emotions kind of take over more. I think, I don't know if you've seen me the last couple of years, I kind of <laughs> a little bit, you know, uh, I can get some highs and lows, but I'm, I'm trying to find myself more in the middle. And as a player, I was the opposite, man. I was just like, I can't remember how many times I've been sent off or <laughs> for stupid things like that, you know, but I think I've mellowed out a little bit more as a coach. And I think those emotions that I couldn't control as a player, I've really tried to hone in as a coach. Obviously, it's not always possible, you know, depending on games, results. Um, uh, your goal, you know, we'll talk about it later, but your goalkeeper slipping in orange counting and things <laughs> like that. There's just different things that I think as a player held me back from being able to reach a high level that I think 
I saw from the beginning that I said I need to change certain behaviors, certain perspectives, certain uh, approaches to make myself the best coach on game day. And I think I'm not sure if that's if that'll align with maybe how you transition from being a player to a coach. But for me, I would say they're almost polar opposites in in, in how I see myself as a player and as, as a coach. Yeah, you said you mellowed out. Is there moments that you've had where, as a coach, you felt, oh crap, I went a little a little too far, or maybe this player isn't someone that is responding well to you know anger? Yeah, I think so. And one of the things that I'll, and I'm sure we'll touch on, but like I remember how I would react to the way certain coaches did, treated me or talked to me, or you know, I I wasn't always the best pl- the player that responded best to you know shouting or yelling or being you know really chewed out. Like I didn't respond well at all. But that also gave me the perspective now as a coach to say like, oh, I don't want to do that to a player. I don't want to uh, embarrass him. I don't want to do these different things to to get my frustration out and to get that across to him. Instead, I'm trying to say like, how can I make him, how can I help him get, you know, better, play better and all these things. But of course, I wish I could say I did it every time, but I've, yeah. I've had my fair share of blow ups, especially at the at the younger levels when when I was first starting out learning, you know, how to navigate those emotions still. I apologize to any player in the past <laughs> that, that uh has bad experiences or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. It's always the thing when you kind of look back on and you go, man, I really tore that person apart yeah. or maybe they didn't respond well. Yeah. And I have since changed. So yeah. I, I do apologize. I apologize for, now for leaving a scar. Write me, write me a letter. Yeah. No, I think that's it's, it's very important. I think for us as young coaches, we for me at least, it's the image. Mm. We... We talk about it all the time. It's like even at the facility sometimes, I don't like to wear sandals walking around. Yep. Even if I'm you know, going to the field, I want to yeah. wear my shoes or my boots just because you present yourself in a certain light. And I think that as you grow in this game as a coach, yeah. image is so important. And I think obviously the way you present yourself in your attire and, and the, what you wear on the field, yeah. but also to how you communicate. And I think us as young coaches, maybe we can relate to the players a little bit more in the sense of we're closer in age and maybe we have just gone through those experiences ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know for you growing up where was coaching like the, the end all be all for you or what was the process for you to get into coaching? I think I always wanted to be like a pro, you know, like every other kid I, I grew up watching World Cup and different things and just thinking like, man, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to, to one day be on the field in front of the fans. I quickly realized like, you know what, I'm not going to make it. Like, how do I prepare myself to stay in soccer, to stay in coaching, to stay just involved in the sport? And I think that pushed me to to even grow even further in the sport and say, you know, I wasn't maybe the best at playing it, but let me see if I can teach it better to other players. Let me mm-hmm. see if I can learn how to communicate these concepts, these ideas that are popular now, you know, counterpressing or whatever those things were. That's what I set out to do, to be able to to learn those things and say, I wasn't able to do it on the field, but maybe on the sideline, I'm, I can help the other players get better at that. So that's kind of how, how that started. Yeah. I, you went to, was it performance? Because I know you were in performance and that's kind of how you and I yeah. met is you were the performance guy for Las Vegas Lights. Yeah. So was that, you? did you have a plan that, okay, performance is what I'm going to start with and then I'm going to transition into coaching if the opportunity presents itself or was what was the plan with that? I think I always had this underlying insecurity that I was like, I didn't play pro, so I'm going to have to respond to, you know, what are you capable of bringing to this coaching staff, to this club? And I never wanted anyone to question whether I was good enough or not. And that's why I went and got a master's in exercise science, my uh, strength and conditioning certifications. Um, I just wanted to have like, as, as well as I can, I know soccer, I know other areas so where I can offer different things, you know, to, to the organization. Because of course, you know how it goes, you know, ex-pro finishes playing and he's kind of first in line to, to get as an assistant job or head coaching job or whatever it be. And I always wanted to say, you know what, I offer different different tools that aren't just soccer and 
throughout my career, I've kind of been able to blend them a little bit to kind of put together a package of what I offer. So that's that's where performance kind of started, where it allowed me to have a pathway to to kind of get into the more of the coaching stuff, which was which is pretty cool in hindsight. My, my buddy has a podcast as well, and he was interviewing someone and he said, what's your best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? He said, be of use. And I think when I heard that, 100%. I reflected. Yeah, I love yeah. that. You know what I mean? You, yeah, I love that. It's so simple, but it means so much. And like you said, it seems like you internalized that and, and kind of saw the writing on the wall that I think a lot of us will see and say, man, I'm going to be bypassed by somebody who has had a better playing career. Yeah. So I need to add as many tools to the toolbox. So yeah, for sure. But you took it pretty far though with performance. Like you are like, I mean, I remember we're going on trips in Vegas. We'll get to that, but you're reading books on, on, uh, on your iPad and you're really yeah. trying to just get better and better at, at that side of things. Even though you have aspirations in, in coaching, you, you never allowed that, I guess that uh, tool to really dull out. I think as a young coach, you have to almost prove to yourself that you're also worth that position or worth being on that organization. And that's what kind of motivates me even still today to say like, am I good enough at this? Well, let me prepare myself even better. Let me study a little bit further. Let me let me learn a little bit more so that I have these different tools and I can join conversations with confidence. That That's kind of my my weapon, my, my surprise weapon almost to say, you know what, I'm really prepared. I've studied. I know the content. And I'm able to have a conversation about different things. And again, I, my insecurity would always tell me, don't ever be in a situation where you can't even contribute a little bit to a conversation, whether it's a little bit or a lot. And of course, there's been t times where I've just, you know, being silenced better than, than yeah. saying something stupid. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's always been my 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 end goal with that, to to just continue learning, to continue growing. Again, to go back to my time as a player, you know, I, I, I didn't do that all the time as a player. So I've really honed in on that, I think, now as a, as a coach. Yeah, I think it's also when you read something, versus the actual application. I think that's that's been for me, whether it's goalkeeping, we always talk about it in the goalkeeping sphere of you can watch the same session and we can both try and run the same yeah. uh, the same session, but it's our voice. And through that experience with our voice, yeah. how, how has your voice changed? It's funny seeing me at the beginning of my, t my time with LAFC. I think you've seen that, that I've almost found my voice a little bit in the last few years. Um, I think with every change in environment and coaching staff and people that you're around, you kind of have to navigate, you know, like what, what volume do I need to use? What tone? What words? And all these different things. Learning, you know, how to communicate well in that group. But just in general, I think I've I've learned to say things with my chest. If if that mm -hmm. makes a little bit of uh, if that makes it more sense. And that's been for me the one of the biggest things moving into this season, where I feel like I have a voice. I have the respect of the players. But again, that that I believe in myself, and I think that that's by far the most important part for for me as a coach. That if I if I believe in what I'm saying, then then I'm pretty comfortable having any conversation. I think that's what it is, right? We we have to believe in what we're saying all the time. All the time. And I obviously we work with Enrique and his big thing is like, as soon as you slip up or you don't bring to the table what you've continued to bring yeah. from day one, the players will see it. And he won't. He, he said on the podcast, he's like, if I know someone can give me a, an, an eight out of 10, yeah. a 10 out of 10, why would I allow them to give me a six? Yeah. Keep that standard high so that, again, it's maybe a little bit of stress, but yeah. there's more stress in feeling like you delivered the wrong message because you took, took it easy that day yeah. than there is to just say, you know what, I'm just going to buckle down and say what I need to say. And you can say, say it with a chest. And we would talk about it, failing forward. Yeah. As young coaches, there's so many things that we want to try and perfect and get right on the first go. When in reality, like you're saying, say it with your chest. Maybe you found a different tone or you unlocked something that maybe you didn't you didn't think you had yeah. because you went with that mentality of, you know what, if I fail, at least I tried something new. Yeah. And I know for a fact it's going to have a net, I guess, net ROI for me. Yeah. And I think that's like in any other area of life, if you're afraid to fail then you're not going to give yourself room to grow. And I think even up until, you know, the, the last few weeks, things are going to go wrong. Things aren't going to go the way you, you expected. But if you, you come prepared, if you have the right approach, 
If you're communicating things the right way, then I think you have a chance at getting something out of it. That's all you can say at the end of the day. Look, I tried my best, you know, try to communicate these ideas and using my voice. I hope I made the group better, even if it was 1%, 2%, but at least made the team better uh, a little bit today. So take me back, Stephen, to you were you working at Monster Energy? Yes, yeah, a long time ago now. <laughs> I just need to know a little bit more of what was it about the corporate world that didn't, didn't uh, suck you in to keep you in a little bit longer? I'm sitting at my desk. Just to paint a picture, it's it's seven thirty in the morning. How old are you? Tell me I'm how old are you? Twenty, maybe twenty one, twenty two. Okay. Wow, so yeah, still right, fresh still, out of college. Fresh out of college, my first job, first real job. It's seven thirty in the morning. I'm sitting in the monster corporate office, and I kid you not, every morning you hear like six or seven monster cans pop, and I'm thinking, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> like this is crazy. It's seven thirty a.m. and everyone there's like you can just like on like you know like. And I'm thinking, man, I can't, I can't stand this place. Like, I'm just, I feel like I'm boxed in. This is, after, you know, a few months in. I remember I would spend all of my time at work streaming, like, a Champions League game or any type of soccer game that I could possibly get my hands on. I had dual monitors, you know, that classic, like, <laughs> work in, like, one corner and then, like, soccer in the other two. And I remember we got an email saying, like, hey, if you're, please don't misuse company internet. If you do, <laughs> like, we're going to, you know, you're, you're going to get written up or whatever. And I was like, oh, there's no way they know it's me. And they got, I sent another email and they were like, look, we know who it is. If you continue to do this, you're going to get written up. And I was like, I literally spend my whole time at work, like watching soccer games. I, all I think about is, you know, soccer, this can't be it for me. A few weeks later, like, again, like after those emails, a buddy sends me a text message. Hey, I just got a job in Chicago coaching some small NAA school. Are you interested? And I was like, I'm willing to do anything to walk away from this job. Even though it's a good paying job, good people and all this stuff. I was like, I can't, I can't do the same thing every single day and be in this office the rest of my life. So I took a chance, went to Chicago, uh, coached there for a little bit, but that's as much as I failed there because I, I left with like, you know, a good amount of money. I came back with like $200 in my pocket. <laughs> it was a really good experience. And I, I found out that, you know what, like this is my this is my path. And uh, those experiences in Chicago, even though it was a short time, really helped me find who I am and, and what I want to what I want to pursue in life. So that was mm. how everything kind of began. So thank you, Monster Energy. <laughs> this, this this episode is probably sponsored by. <laughs> no, no, we don't have a sponsorship. But if you'd like to sponsor, let us know. Um, now, what was your was there a shock to you in terms of what you thought coaching would be like? It was a little bit easy at first, to be honest, because I came in as like a graduate assistant. So I went to the small school and it was just kind of shadowing a lot. So I got to observe a lot. And I think that that has been for me, the thing I'm most fortunate about in all the roles that I've had in coaching is that as much as I wanted to jump into maybe a head coaching role right away, you, you know, every young coach is like, oh, I can take this team. Like, mm -hmm. you know, let me coach Real Madrid and I'll take <laughs> them to the Champions League final. Uh, I wasn't ready for that. So it was nice to get to to watch other coaches, see how they do, see how they do things well, see what I would do differently as I transitioned to Vegas. Just seeing how other coaches operate and how they communicate with players and how they run their training sessions. I feel like I had the best kind of trajectory for where I am today because I got to see so much and observe for so long that it gave me all the tools to say, okay, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and this is this is me. This is this is how I would do it. Yeah. It's funny you say that in terms of, you know, obviously you have influences as coaches. And I remember coming into Cal State LA when I first started, there were moments that I saw the head coach, Chris Chamadis, who again, I would call him a mentor. I don't know if you would call me a mentee, but I, I'd, say, <laughs> I'd say he's a mentor to me. And there were times where there were situations on the field that I would see and coming, you know, coming where I came from, from Davis, you know, I would say the coach probably would stop the training session or assert themselves a little bit in that moment and say, Hey, Steven, what you just did right there is unacceptable. Mm. And I think watching Chris, there were moments where he would just stay silent. He wouldn't say a word. 
And in my head, I'm like, coach, that was so obvious. We could all see that you needed to stop that or you needed to address that issue, but he wouldn't. And then, you know, time went by. I would go into the office and I would say, hey, coach, look, I just have a quick question for you. There was a moment there where I felt maybe you could have said something and you didn't. What is that? It's like, look, Omar, at the end of the day, I don't want to joystick these guys. These guys have a responsibility and I want them to explore that responsibility on their own. And they could probably act on it better than I could describe it to them. And he's like, of course, that freedom comes with a price. Eventually, I can see which of those guys maybe needs a little bit more coaching. But you need to sit back sometimes, allow that stuff to happen. And as it's progressing, then you can kind of figure out. So is that something that you maybe have experienced? Yeah, I think for for me as a coach, at least it's the heart. It's almost harder to not say anything, to Mm -hmm. just sit back and observe. Um, It's impossible, by the way. It's impossible. Your ego gets in there. Exactly. And I think that if you can, again, to go back on what I was saying about emotions and controlling yourself and your behaviors and all this stuff, if you can learn to hone that in a little bit and really pick out what you want to say and when you want to say it, I think that for me, that's that's coaching. Especially as a young coach, you want to find out, do I react to my emotion right now after a mistake or do I just kind of let it go and do I kind of address it in a bit later one-on-one or in a group setting? Like there's obviously different different ways to approach communicating with the team. But yeah, for me, that's it's the hardest thing to sit back and just observe because I think at the end of the day, we want to influence at all times. But I think giving the players that responsibility to say, hey, you have your own decisions, you have your own roles on the team, you know, take it and I'll just be here to to kind of guide you along the way. Yeah. And you go into, so Chicago, was that, a, that wasn't a performance role at all. It was more. No, that was just a, like a assistant coach, just helping out with everything. And I think that that's also been really important for me in my development as a coach to to do all the inventory, to do all the logistics, to be able to, again, be useful at the end of the day for, for a team. I think that that's, that's just kind of me now that I transformed into the guy who's just kind of in the last few years, whatever you need from me, I'll be able to do, you know, whether Mm. it's on the field, whether it's in the office, that for me is as a young coach, again, it's been my, my biggest, my biggest asset, I think. Yeah. Can you elaborate to me a little bit on some of the things you talk about, you want to come in, you think you can coach Real Madrid. What was, I guess, because I feel like there's so many young coaches that go into those experiences with the same mindset. Yeah. And maybe do you have any advice for them on, I guess, best practices to to come in with a little bit of, of have an ego, but at the same time, be humble? I think that comes down to personality. And I think we see, you know, the the Pep Guardiola's and the Jurgen Klopp's and all these, you know, Mourinho and all these guys who have like really funny press conferences and they're going at it with the media and all this stuff. But there's a reason behind that as well that they're doing it. And I'm sure that when you get to that level, you understand that. But as a young coach, you almost have to be a sponge. You have to absorb everything, every player action, every group action, the opponent, the ref, everything. Just absorb, 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 because that's so much more than tactics and what formation am I starting in and uh, what runs do I make? It's player personalities. There's how to manage the the squad, obviously. What do you do with the guy that you played five minutes only at the end of the game? How do you, you know, do you talk to him? Do you just leave him alone? What about your star player who had a disciplinary issue during the week? Like, how do you, how do you resolve that? You know, how do you deal with that? I think just staying in first or second gear for as long as possible is going to be the best thing. And I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but the toughest part is to try not to judge yourself on wins and losses as much as we've lost in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm saying that because... <laughs> it's been Fresh. a tough two years no but i think that if you don't judge yourself off wins and losses and you just judge yourself on how am i impacting the group am i influencing am i making them better players but also a better person at the end of the day i think that that's that's what you should focus on your your influence as a coach on the group versus the results on on the weekend especially especially at the beginning for yeah. me that's integral to developing as a coach yeah 
you say something really, really good there is that when you go into these experiences, even if you're not the head coach, there's like you're saying, be a sponge because any little thing that you can see from a coach, you can absorb that and say, yeah, okay, you know what? I can use that. For example, national championship that we won at Cal State LA. I was with Vegas that year and I would train, you know, every now and again with the team, but our, our season was were at the same time. And I think there were days where we'd come back and I would see uh, Arvin, I've probably see this, but EST football on TikTok and Instagram, and he would be training on the field. And I would see him and I'd be like, what are you doing, man? Like, you know, it's a day off. He's like, it's not a day off. I barely played. So I'm, I'm out here working. He's doing his drills, exercising. And then I would speak to the head coach and, and you could see that he was like, you know, in his ear, like, hey, man, like, I know you're not playing. Yeah. Keep working. We we will need you at some point. I was noticing that and I was like, is he lying to this kid? Like, is, is he ever going to be able to deliver on that promise that he's going to play? Yeah. And essentially it was like, I'm, I'm absorbing that information and saying, again, you have to sometimes even address the tough conversations, but you never know if those things will come to fruition. Fast forward, we start making a run a little bit more, a little bit more. I don't know if Arvin played that much during that, that run into the national championship, but yeah. You see, we get to the semifinal, so we're in Colorado Springs. I think we're playing Nova Southeastern or something like that. I think he maybe plays a few minutes, but again, just alleviates some of the the pressing that yeah. our guys need. And then in the we get to the national championship game. We play in the final. I think we had one guy who was hobbling around, had like a, a torn quad, but was still you know able to push through. But we needed Arvin to give us that second half, and I think he played 30, 30 minutes in the second half to just to run, yeah. just to press those guys so yeah. their buildup didn't start so so smoothly. Yeah. And we ended up winning the national championship game. We end up winning the whole thing. And I think we're all celebrating. And I'm kind of looking at Chris, the head coach. And I walk up to him after in like the, the party time. I said, Chris, you know, with, with Arvin and some of the guys that you've had conversations with, was that on purpose? Like, he's like, Omar, I never do anything by accident. I said, what do you mean? He's like, everything is, is calculated. So I knew for a fact, if we make a run deep enough, I'm going to need, and we get, a, we get a lead. I'm going to need someone to give me something. And again, that was one of those things where like, as a as the goalkeeper coach, yeah. you can mail it in, and I'm sure with yourself on the performance yeah. side, you can just mail it in. You can show up, collect your paycheck, whether it's it's five dollars high, yeah. it was not that much, but yeah. you can collect your paycheck and just be passive in the experience, or you can intentionally, like you're saying, listen to every single person that's talking. And maybe there's people who are still in their yeah. process as coaches, young coaches, and you're listening and saying, "Oh, I don't like that. Oh, yeah. I do like that." Yeah. But I think that to me was one of those. Oh my God. Even the smallest seed that you plant can give you the biggest return. So yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. Has there been something that you've seen from the experience, or? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, just to to go back to that point, I think Chris is a genius. Um, he's a very smart. Yeah, guy. he's a very smart guy, and I think you don't learn those things in a year or two. You don't learn those things in two or three. Maybe if you're, you know, different level of a coach or, uh, you know dealing with people, you understand those things. But that's what being a young coach is learning. I'm going to need. You know, what if your roster is 24, you know, you know, how, whatever it is, it's like, I'm going to need 20 through 24 at some point. And they're part of the team and they're important to the team. And they might not be needed today. They might not be needed tomorrow, but you're going to need them and you have to treat them well, not because you're going to need them in that moment later on in the season, but just because they're part of the group as well. And I think that that for me has been in my assistant coaching roles, probably the thing that I've enjoyed the most, as much as I love, you know, working with the starting group or the players that play a lot, it's communicating with the guys that, that don't get to play that many minutes. The guys that sit on the bench often, the guys that have to celebrate the the goals and and the wins from the sideline along with the coaches. Those guys are very very important to the group as well. And I think that that's such an invaluable thing that you'll learn as you as you kind of develop as a coach. If you can learn it early on, great. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it seems like you again. You you learned early on that building relationships with the players is something that's extremely valuable. So how I know in Vegas you got there 2018. Yeah, so in 2018, um, I left Chicago and I was just looking kind of for work. 
uh, didn't work out in Chicago again. And Las Vegas Lights had just kind of said that they were going to be a new organization. So I reached out, ended up meeting with the owner and he was like, you know, well, we have a couple different positions open yet. Like we're just kind of brand new. Uh, what are you interested in doing? You know? And I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, and he was like, what do you mean you don't know? And I'm like, I don't know, like whatever, wherever you can fit me in. He was like, equipment manager, like laundry, you know, <laughs> maybe not. Ended up doing marketing partnerships for my first year. We needed like to do pictures or video or something. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I went out to practice with the camera. And then I was like, I took some pictures and I came back to the office and I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that. Like I should, I love coaching. I would love to just kind of be around the team more. So and then I started showing up to practices, taking pictures, taking videos for marketing or whatever partnerships teams needed. And one day the assistant coach comes up to me. I had a good relationship with him. And he's like, hey, does that camera take video? And I was like, oh, yeah, it takes video. He was like, can you kind of get up high and can you just record the practice for me today? And I was like, oh, sure. Like, and he, obviously at that point, I didn't tell him I coached or played or anything. I was just kind of this guy with the camera. He asked me to send him the video. And then he was like, you know, hey, can you come back tomorrow? And I was like, oh, sure. So then I found myself, yo, I'm editing. I'm cutting things and, and different things just to kind of make the video look nice, at least for him. It's just still the training video, but I'm doing all that stuff. After a few weeks and months, he started asking me like, hey, do you know anything about soccer? Like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I coached actually played. He's like, oh, why didn't you say anything? You know, and I'm like, oh, I just didn't want to come off as that guy, you know. And then before I knew it, he was like, hey, can you show me every time the nine checks in and the guy runs it behind. I don't remember what it was, but he was like, can you just specific things? Can you clip them out for me? That was maybe like halfway through the season. And by the end, like, I think the last few games, I got to sit on the bench with them and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I, I'm not a part of the staff, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of in the backgrounds doing like video analyst work for him. And he would send me a bunch of stuff and for the games and all this stuff. So it quickly developed. And I think that that in 2018 is when I realized there's something here. Like if I work at it, if I chip away and I remember I wasn't, I wasn't getting paid to, to even be at the practices or do any of the work for the coach, but I was working. I kid you not, maybe eight hour days, just like looking up videos, trying to find out like how to break down this one moment. You know, obviously at the beginning he was like, Hey, send me a video of like these three things. I send it all. And then it comes back like, yeah, you completely misunderstood what I was saying. <laughs> it was wrong. Try again. And I'll give you another chance. You know? So he obviously worked with me a lot. His, uh, Isidro, who's now the coach for Las Vegas is the one who really took me under his wing. And I'm, I'll always be thankful for him because he he opened up that door for me to enter the coaching kind of professional uh, world where even looking back now, I probably didn't deserve that, you know, but that's an opportunity that that kind of came for me. And I just realized this is my chance. And I remember sitting there thinking in Vegas, you know, at, at my place, just thinking this is my moment. Like this is it's either I'm going to grab it and I'm going to go with it or I'm going to look back and say like, ah, oh, man, I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have worked harder. And I, again, I wasn't getting paid and I wish... Anyone who has a chance to do volunteer work or, or help out in any capacity, whether it's a university, a pro team or whatever, just take that, just take that chance because you never know if it's going to come back again or, or what doors that's going to open. So that was how I, I started in, in Vegas. And it was amazing. Like looking back now, I'm just like, man, they, they took this, you know, 20 something year old kid and just kind of took them under their wing and opened up a, a whole new world for him. I love that. I think when you get into the volunteer work or you're a volunteer assistant, which for me at the goalkeeping side was like that at Cal State LA, you're afforded the opportunity to make mistakes. And it sounds like that was crucial for you. Yeah. And for a long time, I was like the that young kid that just like, oh, like he's a good kid. Just just put up with him, you know, for a while. And I think I grew out of that the last few years. But I really enjoyed being that young kind of oh, this kid has so much potential. Oh, he understands things quickly. He learns quickly. He's hardworking. Like, I love that. Like, when, when you described me as a player, it was like, Steven's lazy. He doesn't like to defend. <laughs> and he gets tired quickly or whatever it was, you know. But as a coach, it was like, ah, oh, potential. Like, good listener. Adapts quickly. Can can fix a problem. And I was just like, man, I, I love 
these descriptions of me and I want more of it and I want more and I want more. I want people to to believe these things about me and I want to believe them as well. But I think in 2018, I also said, I'm, I want to see what that potential is. Like mm-hmm. if if all these people are right and, you know, obviously your family supports you. But I was like, man, these people who know the sport, who have been around are saying these things about me. Like I want to find out just how high that ceiling is for myself. And yeah, I'm still on that that journey today. <laughs> how long did that I guess for you to see, okay, I have potential, but now you said you want to test it out to see if that potential is actually going to be realized. Was that process, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of obstacles and challenges. Yeah. So what were, was it just maybe the insecurity of like, I know the game, but I don't know how to present it. I don't yeah. know the game that well, but I know how to present it. And did those ever get married together? I think it was a lack of understanding of the game, just flat out. Like I didn't understand. The, Which is funny. The I think now that, I see you and we were in the meetings and I feel like you're very, confident in what you say 2018 man that's it's it was it laid the groundwork but i think and again to 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 thank isidro he was so patient with me and i think if i could have done something differently that would have helped me i would have asked more questions you know as a young guy you're like oh i had like they told me to do something i don't know what i'm doing but i'm gonna just do it instead of saying no hold on let me let me get clarity let me let me see what i'm actually being asked to do and then let me carry out the assignment i was like oh he said these three things they were kind of vague i'm not sure i totally understand but let me just sit here and do six hours of work <laughs> and waste my time. So I think it was a combination of I should have definitely asked more questions and been a little bit more comfortable saying, I don't know, I don't know, and I don't understand. And I think that's really hard as a young person to say like, oh, I don't know, I don't understand because it makes you feel insufficient or vulnerable even. But asking more questions is the key to mm-hmm. to getting anywhere. And I think that you'd be surprised even now, I think we've both seen this at even at LAFC, People want to answer questions. People want to be asked, how is this done? What does that mean? Uh, why are we doing this? More often than you think, obviously, don't annoy the person. Yeah. Just <laughs> word of advice. Don't don't yeah. piss them off. Sorry, Steve. Uh, Chirundolo, I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that for me has been the, the key, having obviously the opportunity to work with really patient people, but at the same time, just asking better questions, I think, at the end of the day. It was very obvious to you that maybe there was no expectations of you and yeah. without any expectations, like you're saying, yeah, maybe I have a little bit of regret. Maybe I could have asked more questions. But I think, again, to any young coaches that are listening, recognize the situation you're in. If it's a volunteer assistant, you're not yeah. getting paid. If you're not getting paid, there isn't really much expectation yeah. of you to provide solutions or to, yeah. pr- to provide anything, really. It's more so, like you're saying, be that person who's going to ask a ton of questions. Yeah. Obviously, ask calculated questions. Don't just ask, uh, hey, what does this mean? What does that mean? It's going to be like, okay, look, you said this earlier in this context. What does that yeah. mean? Be more specific. And like you're saying, over time, those things start to add up. Yeah. And then when, I guess, maybe things start to shift, which will get to you, is things start to shift where there's no expectation to, okay, this kid's got something. Okay, let's progress this guy. Yeah. So in 2019, you go into the Las Vegas Lights as an assistant or? 2020. Okay, 22. Okay, we'll skip the 2019. I yeah, know that 20, was. Yeah, 2019, I had like a hiatus from from uh, the professional coaching for different reasons. Uh, never, got a, never got a text back. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, a new, co- new, new, new coach comes in. New coach comes in, new, yeah. new organ- a new structure for the team. So Isidro's out. So it's like you don't Isidro's really have out. your connection. And that there. was really hard for me, actually. It's a good point because that was really difficult for me. I felt like I had poured in so much work. I was like, man, I gave everything. And I remember even in the offseason, he was like, I don't know if I'm coming back, Stephen, but if I'm back, you're my guy. Like, you're, we're going to be working together. I don't know if you'll be my assistant or whatever, but like we had developed such a good relationship where I was like, man, this guy, he believes in me. Now he knows how I work. Now I know what he wants to do. How he runs his training sessions, how he talks to the group, like, even if I'm in the background, like, this is going to be amazing. And the worst thing happens, he gets fired. And I'm just like, no, like, this is, 
terrible, but like, what, what about me? You know, so 2019, Eric Winalda comes in. We had a few conversations, I think, at the beginning, but didn't end up working out. But I ended up working with him in 2020 through his first, I think he was there for like six months before he got let go. So, and yeah, and then Frank Gallup and then the LAFC partnership happened. So 2020 was interesting, the COVID year. Mm-hmm. That was difficult, but I think it was really when I jumped in into the deep water, Eric left and I got to work with Frank. And between Isidro and Frank, I learned probably up until, you know, up until my time with LAFC, but it was, I just feel really lucky, man, that I, that I had those two people that guided me so well. Um, I think Isidro more in the, the understanding of the game and the strategies and tactics and, and the, the reasons behind training sessions and all that stuff. And Frank's, Frank Yallop's management of players is for me outstanding. There's a reason he's won two MLS Cups and mm-hmm. he's played professionally, you know, in, in, in Europe. He played professionally in Europe for so long. So both of those guys, Isidro and Frank, I can't say enough about. They were amazing people and integral to my my development as a person, as a as a husband now, as a friend. <laughs> yeah. uh, really, really good people. Take me through some of your early responsibilities with them. So when I started with Eric, it was when I came back in 2020, it was doing more performance, strength and conditioning stuff. Also doing some admin work, again, just doing whatever the, what the the coaches needed. So when he was let go, Frank came on and he asked me, hey, like, do you, you know, can you stay on, whatever? And I said, yeah, of course, I would love to stay on. So then I assumed the assistant coach role. But there was a gap between between Winalda and, and Yallop where I had to run the show. And I think and I'm 25, 26 wow. at this point. And I'm just like, these guys are all like 30, 31, 32. And I'm... I know it's tough to tell on the camera, but I'm like 150 pounds, <laughs> almost six foot, depending on the shoes I'm wearing. So for like two weeks or two or three weeks, I think I ran the team for Las Vegas. And it was crazy. I remember thinking like when sun up to sundown, I'm just like taking notes, like training sessions, freaking out. I remember being just stressed out. Like I couldn't even sleep. I remember like, man, I'm overwhelmed with work. How did I get myself into this situation? Like as much as it's cool, I'm like, I remember there were incidents at practice where I was like, I literally had to stop training session and be like, guys. I'm doing my best. Like you guys and you know, guys were like, oh, like we don't have a coach. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, I totally get it. Like I'm not even trying to be the head coach right now. I'm just trying to keep keep us going until the head coach comes and we re- we resume the, the COVID season. And then after that, like everything's going to be cool, you know, but but just work hard. And I remember one of the guys, Tommy Olsen, he's the goalkeeper. He, during that kind of back and forth, everyone was, you know, it was chaos. And he stopped and he's like, hey, Stephen Campos, you know, this guy, like, He's been working hard. He's here for us. Like he's literally giving absolutely everything for us. If I have his back, if anyone has a problem with him, like you come through me basically, you know? And then there was a couple other guys were like, yeah, no, like, like, nah, like you're going to respect him. Like if you don't respect him, then leave, you know? I think I kicked the guy out of training that day, 25 <laughs> year old kicking someone, a grown man out of training. It wasn't fun, but, but yeah, those were the hard lessons that I learned in, in 2020. And again, it's, it's just part of the journey, but man, I, I love you. I love those guys from from 2020, <laughs> but I I'm glad the 2020 is over for sure. What did that do for you? Your confidence when you have a guy step up and man, it it, it makes a man out of you. It really does because I feel like it's one thing to like I said I've been coaching college and you know other things, but like when you're going toe to toe with another adult, you know, another man who who is also bigger than you, probably kick, probably <laughs> kick my ass. Sure. Um, no, but in all seriousness, it's it's challenging and it makes you question like, man, am I in the right space? Am I did I do things right? Did I plan enough? Did I, was this a mistake? Like, should I have just kind of packed my bags and left with the last coaching staff? That was a really difficult time for me, I think, just to, again, find myself and see like what kind of coach I am. But I think I've always been transparent. I've always been pretty vulnerable with players. I've always been open to conversations. And, you know, this is, you know, in those those past roles, this is what what I like. This is what I don't like. And this is what I'm going to tolerate. This is what I'm not going to tolerate. 
So I've always been a really relational coach. And I think that even then when it was really difficult in that, and I, again, I remember that training session like it was yesterday, it just taught me that at the end of the day, they're people and they're, they have goals and they have families and they have all these different things that when there's chaos in the club, there's chaos for everyone. And it's not just for, for the coaches or the owner or everyone, you know? So in the last, I don't know how many years, whatever years I've been coaching, I think I've gone through like six or seven coaching cycles or different coaches. So it's been really difficult to to navigate that transition between coach to coach. But at the same time, it's been incredible to work with different people and to learn how different everyone works. I think it's so valuable to go into the deep end, get thrown into the deep end and not really learn. learn. You learn how to swim. You don't really know how to swim just yet. Maybe you can get up to, yeah. you know. I the, felt like that, you know, in the <laughs> movies where like the guy like gets dropped really deep in the ocean. He's just like spinning underwater. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how I felt. Couldn't, you couldn't have described that any better. But do, do you often refer back to those moments maybe internally? I always use the, I use them as like landmarks to say like, I overcame that. I'm going to be okay now. Like mm-hmm. I overcame that obstacle. So this is a different obstacle. It might be just as big. It might be smaller, it might be bigger, but there's going to be a solution for it. And I think that's something that I've really absorbed from Steve Trindolo in the last couple of years is he always responds, you know, there's a, there's, there's a solution, find it. There's always a solution, find it. And I think that that's my approach now when, when, when things happen. I use my experience plus that insight from Steve to say, there's a solution. You have to slow down. You have to observe, analyze the situation and find the solution and, and take the next step. So yeah, for sure. Those are important moments. I, I don't know if you ever remember being dumped in the deep end or oh, like that in coaching and in oh, the different sure. schools that you're at or whatever. Yeah. I think you get into those experiences, not by luck, but it just kind of happens. And I think that's for me, the most valuable thing is when you're forced to respond without really having a plan. As Enrique always says, he's like, sometimes you may not have a plan, but that's when your genius takes over. Yeah. You kind of have to exhale, inhale, exhale yeah. for a second. And once you do that, then you're going to you know, recenter yourself and say, okay, through all of my experiences, how can I combine all those things to get me through this moment? Yeah. And I think that I've had those moments. I'm trying to remember specifically, I mean, I've just had like some, not altercations, but like some back and forth Mm. with some goalkeepers who may have questioned me during a session or may have asked something of me that I wasn't capable of doing. Um, And I think that was for me sitting there and going, okay, you know what? I don't ever want to not have an answer for this again. How can I prepare myself better for the next time? So I think that to me is, is important. But you and I finally do meet after that 2020 season. COVID's done. Now we move from your Las Vegas, where we all know what Cashman Stadium looks like. And it's yeah. not really much. There's not much history there in terms yeah. of like it being a soccer, uh, you know, not soccer specific stadium. And then now you come to LAFC, where, as we've seen from the first few seasons, there were, I mean, probably one of the most talked about franchises. Yeah. And there's so much promise behind them, a lot of money being spent there. You come into the brand new facility. You come in, and then I guess all the things that, as young coaches, we think of, this is the pinnacle. So for you, was that moment too big for you? Was that moment like a, a reflection moment? Like, describe to me those first steps, I guess, into the facility. I've never been hit harder by imposter syndrome than that first day when I walked into the facility. I remember thinking like, this can't be happening. This is not true. Like I, I remember I visited when, when I was with Vegas during one of the preseasons I came and I, I, I got to watch a couple of their training sessions for LAFC. And I remember thinking at that time, like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like, this is crazy. You know, Bob Bradley's here and all these things. And then next thing I know, I'm walking by Bob Bradley in the hallways and, and all these things. And I remember at, at first just being like, man, this is, they're going to find out soon. They're going to find out that 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 I am just this small town Redlands kid, you know, that 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 just kind of showed up from Vegas, but I'm not going to say it quickly went away, but it went away with time, but I remember that being by far my first impression that I do not belong here. I don't deserve to be here and someone's going to find out at any second and they're going to be like, you know, get out of here, you know, yeah. something like that. 
I don't know. If, I don't know if you shared the same sentiment, but dude, same. I think. I mean, look. As a as a young coach, you look at opportunities and you say, if I'm in that opportunity, if I was that guy, I would grab it with both hands. I would never let it go. Yeah. And sometimes those opportunities do come, and you go, oh crap. Why did I expect this to be so easy? Yeah. Why did I? And again, it's those emotions when you actually are in them. You're, that's so tangible. You because yeah. you have to really respond yeah. before you can theor- have a theory on how you would respond and yeah. all that stuff. But like you're saying with Bob Bradley, then I remember one time I was in like the changing room and I'm talking to Bob and he's like, uh, we're talking about the goalkeeping situation. And then he asked me, oh, what do you think about it? And then I was like, oh, shit, I have to come up with this response. I gave him my honest response, but I remember walking out to him like, Stephen, I just literally buried myself. <laughs> he probably thinks I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. But again, those are the moments where you yeah. go, ah, dude, that, that just happened. Great. Yeah. What could I have done better? And it's, I guess, uh, as Dan Ball said, like in, in, wor- in the world, it's like you have your expectations and reality. And somewhere in between, you kind of have to set yourself there. 100%. And yeah. um yeah, the, that 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 was tough for me at the beginning, but I remember again now I'm I'm coaching and being I'm around players who are older than me, and again I think the imposter syndrome for me maybe for you too comes from I didn't play professionally, so what is your coaching point? Where is that founded in? And I think that for me was, I mean look, dude, I watch a ton of video, yeah. I, I know a ton about different techniques and how they're done by you know top pros so that i think for me where i have found my confidence is i've watched a ton of video and i kind of have an idea of what i'm saying yeah but for you was that like what was that process of now coaching i know in vegas you got a taste of it but now in a prof- like big professional organization coaching players who are older than yeah. you and how did you kind of uh, navigate that that for me has probably been even till today my my biggest obstacle mentally i think to, to always say like oh you didn't prepare professionally that always rings in the back of my head it's kind of like my chip on my shoulder for myself you know to say like you didn't play professionally you don't have this crazy career you need to work like that's it's the voice in the back of my head saying you need to work you need to show up every day prepared when Enrique or Steve or Bob Bradley whoever it is or any ex-pro you know that's that's in the building when they're working one hour you need to work too when they're showing up 20 minutes early you need to show up 40 minutes early, you know, like everything that someone else does, you need to do twice as good because you have some, you have some ground to make up. And my work started when I was a kid, I think, I think I lived 24 seven on ESPN, watching sports, watching soccer, uh, watching highlights, watching, I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. And I think that that's when my education for, for the sport started. But I think as I've grown up, I've realized it's work. It's a job. Uh, coaching is a job. It's just like anything else, whether you're an accountant or a broker or you know, whatever your, your, your trade is, you need to work. No one can question how hard you work because you don't have that, that little safety net that says, oh, but I played professionally. And I'm not saying that it's always a safety net. Obviously, if we work with Steve Turnbull, who's very knowledgeable about the game. And, but for me, that's, that's not the case. And I don't, I don't have that, that, that out to be able to say that. So I think that at the end of the day, it, it's it's work, and I think that there's there's no else other way to get around that. Yeah, you've mentioned Steve a few times there. How much has he impacted you? I, I can't even put into words how how influential he's been to me. His personality, he values obviously his life outside of 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 the office as well, and I think that that's something really important for coaches to to have that work life balance. But I think at the end of the day, to see what he went through in the first season with us, and to watch that every single day, day in and day out, the the long bus rides to all this stuff. To then see him lift the MLS Cup trophy. Sorry, LAFC, if this is this is bad, but I remember cheering for LAFC in the final. But I remember more than anything else saying, and I, I, you know, we were together, and I was like, 
I want Steve to win so bad. Like it was almost like, it felt like almost like a brother's for me is winning, like a close friend, like a, a family member. I was like, I've seen him struggle. I've seen him go through the tough losses. I mean, in Phoenix, in the USL championship against Phoenix, against these, these top teams where we were just getting blown out to then see how successful he could, he could be at the MLS level. I think for me is, it was just amazing to see him, him, him that happy at the end of the game celebrating it almost brought tears in my eyes. Yeah. I was like, man, this is, if anyone deserves it, it's, it's him. So um yeah he's been a really really good influence for for my life for sure yeah i think we i mean i don't know about you but i kind of abused that that relationship during our first few seasons where i would be on the bus or we're playing cards and i would be like steve i have i have another question i have another question and he was so i don't know like i don't know you can sometimes get into a world where the coaches that you're around can be a little bit intimidating and luckily for us, we've had coaches that are, like you're saying, open books yeah. who are going to sit there and say, look, obviously give me questions that are uh, relatable or questions yeah. that make sense. Don't yeah. be asking me stupid ones that you can answer on your own. But through their lens of experiencing the coaching world that we're currently experiencing, yeah. they have been able to give us their reflection and give us their honest answers on things that we're going through and say this is how i handled it this is how i would recommend you handle it yeah. and then from there you take that information i think we were very fortunate for me at least speaking to steve last year when his first season at, at lafc as a head coach i was like man you guys have just lost three three games in a row it's been a really tough month like yeah. how are you handling the pressure and he was just like what pressure look i can decide if i want to succumb to this and let this really uh, put me into submission of yeah. like, man, okay, yeah, it's a tough month. This sucks, and that's gonna affect everything outside of my yeah. outside of the office. But or I can approach it as, okay, let's see what this looks like. Yeah. Let's see how can we address, like you said, solution based. Yeah. How can I create a solution? How can I find a solution? Okay, we lost that game, but we were the better team. Do I blow up the whole operation yeah. and start from scratch, or yeah. do I say we had this work, we had we didn't have that work? How do I make that work? Yeah. And I think that for me with, with Steve gives you that perspective of like, it's all, it's going to be fine in the end, but like yeah. you're saying, it's a job. Yeah. You got to put the work in. And when you put the work in, you can reflect and say, I put the hours in that I needed to put in. Why aren't the results coming? Oh, maybe I'm, I'm putting in the work, but I'm going in the wrong, in the wrong, in the wrong direction. Yeah. How can I swim in the right direction? Yeah. So I think that was huge. Just again, seeing how he managed the locker room, even how, with all the, the star players, you know, that, that he had, you know, uh, the addition of Gareth Bale, Chiellini, Vela, obviously, players obviously not happy because they're not playing. Just seeing him navigate all those things from the Las Vegas perspective to then the M the, the MLS Cup final championship team has been, like like you said, just has been, it's, he's been an open book. And that for me, that's, it says a lot about him as a person. For sure. I think it's tough when you have someone like a Bob Bradley who is there before you, had yeah. so much success. He has a very specific personality, Bob oh, yeah. does. Very intense. And again, there were times where I would see him in the gym and he's biking, I don't know, like a 60-minute <laughs> bike ride. And I'm like, I mean, I'm half his age and I, there's yeah. no way I could do that. So you could tell that he's intense yeah. and has like a, a yeah. one-track mind. So I know Steve, for example, he's coming in and the players are maybe they're so used to having this yeah but now they're getting this yeah and steve it was night and day almost wasn't it it was night and day yeah but i would say that steve never i never felt that steve was trying to be something that he wasn't mm. he's like you know what i know you guys yeah. had this type of person but i'm i'm gonna be this type yeah, of person sure. and i'm gonna stick to my guns on this yeah. and well, i've seen steve get upset so i don't ever want to see that ever yeah. but i know for a fact that he comes from the like the player's coach approach of like look 
There's an expectation that you come prepared and do you do your thing. Yeah. There's my expectation as a coach. Let's try and mesh these two together. Yeah. And if you fall out of, fall out of line, I will speak up. Yeah. And I think that to me was the kind of eye opening thing of you can take bits and pieces from everybody, but you should never yeah. completely copy and paste. Yeah. That's what Enrique mentioned on the podcast as well. And I want to get to Enrique because yeah. I know we've all worked with him, but I know for you last season, you being the lead assistant for the Las Vegas. Again, what a progression for you yeah, it's been from crazy. being a video guy and not really somebody that maybe people looked at to all of a sudden now, you know, when Alda comes in, shoot, do I even want to be a coach if yeah. I'm not even being considered for this role yeah. to 2020? The guys get fired. Everybody moves around. You're a head coach for a little bit. Players are backing you, which is yeah. amazing. And then coming into uh, and then 2021, you were a performance coach, so still yeah. with with the team. But coming into last season, 2022, where now you get bumped up to being the assistant yeah. coach for Enrique Duran, who we've had on, and everybody knows everybody knows a little bit about him. But for you, what was that progression like? Now you're working as the lead assistant with Enrique, and and his expectations for people are through the roof. So how did you manage? I guess that so everything i said about work before where i was like you have to work hard <laughs> i've like quadrupled it with enrique and i think that he he sets a, a standard that it's impossible to achieve for anyone else i think like he is he, his standard is here because he always wants you trying to get higher and more and more and more i'm not gonna say you know there's a lot of good coaches out there that have, have been a positive influence in my life but i think uh i can comfortably say he's he's been for me the one who's pulled me you know even higher at, at a much quicker rate than anyone else has. Um, so I have my entire coaching career at this point to be thankful for him for. Would you say that he's a collection of all the people? Yes and no at the same time. I think he's unique in the sense that he knows what he wants. He knows what he's going to get out of people. And he's not going to lower the bar for any wood at any moment. And my favorite part about Enrique is that he sets a standard high because he hits that every day. And that's something that I'm looking at him on bus rides, on you know, flights across the country, after losses, after wins, you look over to him wherever he is, and he's working. He's he's thinking about the next game. He's thinking about the next session. He's thinking about um, the next meeting. He is constantly switched on for for the team. And when you think about, you know, everyone always says like, oh, you need to be like uh, team oriented. You don't you don't want to, you know, whatever. Like the team is the most important thing. You say it to players and all that stuff. He embodies that I think better than anyone else that I've ever seen. He's always looking out for the best interest for the group. At times, it's difficult. You know, we've, we've seen if if someone's late to a meeting, if someone does something that they're not supposed to, he's not afraid to say, you're not doing what's best for the team. And he's going to make a really difficult decision at that point. Yeah. He's consistent with it. Too. He's very consistent. Yeah. He's very disciplined in every aspect, I think, of his job. And I think for me that that's, I want people to say that about me one day, whether it's again, I stay in coaching or whatever it is that I do that meant. Steven shows up every single day and you know what you're going to get out of him every single day. There's not a day where he's going to let down. And I think with the crazy travel that we've had in the last two years, with with the results, with the limited roster, with sometimes training with 10, 12 players, guys showing up the day of the game and him trying to, you know, make that work as well. He never slowed down. And I wish he did sometimes, to be honest, <laughs> to sometimes give us a little bit of a break. But yeah. I'm really fortunate now to be in, in this new role as a assistant coach for the LAFC uh, MLS Next Pro Team, LFC 2. It's been incredible to, to work next to him for, for the last three years. Yeah. And you said you're the assistant coach now with LAFC 2. Going from the performance side now, do you have any qualms about that? Like, you know what? I, I've, I'm happy with moving on now. So it's funny because I, I got that question a lot. When I first came to LAFC, actually, they asked me, 
do you prefer an assistant coaching role or a performance slash strength conditioning? This was like my very, very first conversation with Steve, mentioned all of them. And my response was, oh, I'm a strength and conditioning guy. I'm not a coach. I was scared. I was like, this is my safe route. This is my comfort zone. Like, no one's going to touch it. You know, I'm, you have knowledge I'm, not, there. I'm, I'm very well equipped in that area. I'm going to take the safe route. In hindsight, I wish I would have said something else, but it ended up working out. Thank God. It did. It's been interesting because like I've always gone back and forth like, man, I really like this kind of one-on-one with the players, helping them stay fit, especially the last few years. Like we said, we've been traveling a lot. And one of the things I'm most proud of over the last couple of years is is keeping guys fit. I think we've had really, really, I mean, I, I think only a handful of significant injuries that kept guys out, you know, muscle injuries. But it's going. I think one thing that I, I respect so much about you is that you don't, like there is what people have done for years. Yeah. And then there is the new age. And I think you've done enough research on both parts of that yeah. to say, you know what, this is how they used to do it. These are the new injuries that are happening because of those old practices. Yeah. Let me develop and, and form my own, I guess, ideology about this yeah. so that I feel comfortable in the decisions versus just saying copy and paste. This is how they used to do it. This is how they're doing it now. Let's yeah. see what's the middle ground there. And then push forward. Ah, You know what? That player got injured. It's not my fault. Yeah. Look, at, I just copied yeah. what this guy did. Yeah. So how has that been for you to, to recognize, I'm going to have my own style with this and I'm going to live and die by, by I guess, I guess the way you, you formed yeah. it. I think my time leading up to, to 2021 is what helped me the most because I, I really accepted, I'm a supplemental piece to this coaching staff. I'm not the head coach. I'm not the decision maker. I'm not the guy that needs to make any crazy outlandish decisions for the group heading into the match. What I need to do is prepare the players to train, prepare the players to go through a match. And if there's any little nagging injuries or anything that's bothering players, we'll, we'll work on it. But aside from that, we just need to keep this ship going, you know, versus I think other people who, you know, other with a strength conditioning coach, nutrition, whatever, really try and take this. Oh, I need to make this decision. I need to be the guy to make, you know, these Which choices. Which is normal. It, it's ego. It comes it's in. It's ego. Yeah, and yeah. I think that maybe it'll be a point that I'll, you know, we'll, we'll end with, but just putting your ego to the side. I think that that has been the most important thing for me learn in my, my growth, my, in my development, but also in, in the performance of strength conditioning to say, I, I just need to get these guys fit like, and keep them fit. Anything aside from that out of my hands right now. And I think it really let me embrace that role and, and that perspective that I went into with it was what helped me be successful in that the last couple of years. I know we got to get going pretty soon here. We got to get to the office, but I have a few more for you. I think now, again, moving from the performance to assistant coaching role, as an assistant coach, what is your role? How do you see it as an assistant coach? For me, it's pretty easy. I think, again, staying in that same mindset, I'm supplementing what the coach maybe is, the head coach is missing. So first and foremost, understanding exactly it is what Enrique wants out of a training session, out of an exercise, out of a match. That's by far, if I can go into a training session knowing exactly what he wants to get out of it, perfect. I can kind of correct things that maybe he's not able to. But more than anything else, just support the development of of the group in the areas that Enrique wants. And I think that that's, I'm lucky that I've spent the last two years with him. So I know what type of coach he is, what he expects in terms of intensity. You know, I can basically say, you know what, I, I can almost guess what the training sessions gonna are going to be like, not the exact drills, but just the concepts and, and that stuff. But this year, I'm really excited to work closer with him and developing the concepts, developing the players. We're going to have a little bit of a younger group this season. So that's going to be interesting as well. But really similar to last season where I'll, I'll, I'll be working kind of at the beginning with both the performance a little bit as I transition out. But I think, again, my, my last two years with Enrique have really just laid the foundation for how I'm going to work with him the next couple of years, hopefully, if he, st <laughs> if he sticks around. For you now reflecting on on your journey to this point is there a time where you say damn like i really learned the most or is it just a collection of all those things i think it's a collection of all the things and it's been the conversations it's been 
the criticisms, it's been the compliments, it's been the support from my family, from my wife. It's been a pretty crazy journey. I always tell my friends, you know, that I'm super thankful that I've been able to experience all these different seasons and teams and players and environments. Because at the end of the day, we're really fortunate to be able to, to coach soccer and to to pay the bills with that. So yeah, I'm I'm super thankful for Isidro, for Frank, for Eric, for for Steve, for every coach that I've that I've come across. Even you know I've done a little bit of work at the my my old school Biola, even with my friend Joey. It's been just a really amazing journey that I've been on so far. All right, I'm gonna get you out on this last question. Okay, I wrote it down, thought about it yesterday. So I, this is one that I think uh, can be. I mean, you can answer it in ten words or a thousand. It's gonna yeah. be one of those, but. What advice, Stephen, would you give to your current self that would help you create the life that you want in 10 years? So one coach gave me this piece of advice and this compliment. He said, the best skill is to be a good listener. And I think that if I want to continue down this path, no matter how prestigious the club gets, no matter how high the role gets, no matter how good I think I am as a coach or no matter how popular I become or whatever, I think at the end of the day, Learning to listen is by far the most important skill that you can have. And I think that knowing when to listen and knowing when to speak is by far the most important thing. As a young coach, as an old coach, in any capacity, in any environment, if you can listen, you'll be able to to act afterward and you'll be able to speak afterward. Because if you're not listening, then, then you're just kind of doing your own thing. You're living on an island. So for me, I think that that's the piece of advice that I'm going to give myself now. And I always will is that Listen, observe, and then act after that because that's, that's for me, the key to, to the success that I've had as a coach. Awesome. I think for any young coach out there, that's extremely, extremely important. You should be, at the end of the day, not a collection of all the people that you've worked with, but you should take little bits and pieces yeah. from every single person and then through your lens and then through your own voice, start developing that a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think with every year, you'll have a closer to a finished picture We'll never finish, but yeah. there's a closer to enough of a finished picture that you're going to be comfortable with. And then eventually, I always tell people, there's going to come a day where all your goals from day one, they will come true if you just keep on pushing yeah. at it. But it's better to, like you're saying, listen and observe and listen enough where when that time comes, you're ready. Yeah, There should never be any doubts in your mind. And I think we talk, we've seen it a lot of times. Some people get those opportunities a little bit too young or without the experiences and they can't fall back on it like you did in, yeah. in, in those moments of uh, you being the head coach in, yeah. in Vegas and then maybe transitioning and um, getting into LAFC and all that. Yeah. So, uh, Stephen, thank you so much. I know I we have it. a big season coming up. So hopefully, and this will be a surprise, but I'm hoping at some point we can start doing these on the road yeah. in uh, LAFC too this season. Yeah. But thank you so much, man. Let's appreciate get to the office. And yeah, of course. Take care.